Hello and you are very welcome to this live edition of the Under Centre Podcast. I am your host, Daramar, and I'm very happy to be joined, as always, by Rean Malloy. Rean, how are you, sir? I'm feeling excellent. The Panthers didn't lose this week because they were on a bye, so that's two weeks in a row. Feeling good. <laughs> Undefeated on the bye week uh, exactly. for as long as they can remember, which is a great record to have. For <laughs> sure. We we, uh, we had to pull a late audible last night. Unfortunately, we were going to go live um, just due to some scheduling issues. Um, we weren't able to do the show, but hey, what better night than tonight? You got, we have a break from the World Cup for a couple of days, so let's just focus everything on, uh, on American football for the next two days. Yeah, real football for once. Real football. Well, look, you said it, thankfully. I was going to say it, but we'll see a little bit. But I want to ask you something there before we get into uh, the stories of today. Um, Baker Mayfield was away from the Panthers this week uh, after failing to impress from his trade from the Panthers. Now, I want to ask you, though, if there is someone or some trend you could wave from existence, who or what would that be? Now, I'll give you a little bit of time to think about it. I'll go first. Mm. And I'll say one thing I would like to get rid of is all this Odell Beckham Jr. speculation and where he's going to go. I am tired of it at this stage. Now that we're seeing that the news that he actually may not be good to go until the playoffs um, because of his injury and, and, and the type of contract that he wants and the... It's worse than that whole LeBron thing when he was leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers and stuff. It's just like, I'm tired of it. I just like, if you're going to go to a team, go to a team. Cool, whatever. Um, I still have doubts whether you'll be able to contribute that much to them anyway. Um, but like, it's it, he is a, a good, very good wide receiver. He was a fantastic wide receiver in his days with New York. But those were a long time ago and two knee injuries ago. I still don't think he's going to have that impact that he would have. But if I could get rid of all this speculation and just pass it and to know what team he's going to, then I'd be happy. Right, right. And I think I'm going to uh, decide to wave something that's kind of in the same ballpark, and that is Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, we saw Odell Beckham go to a couple of workouts during during the last couple of weeks. He went and visited with the Rams, the Bills, and the Giants, and nothing was leaked about anything from those workouts, right? As soon as he goes to the Cowboys, Jerry Jones opens a big mouth and goes, I don't know if this guy is going to be ready to play until mid-January. Now, that might be true, but it still devalues the guy's stock. I just don't like the way Jerry Jones continues to run his mouth off, regardless of the circumstances. Well, look, there's, there's other uh, new stories about Jerry Jones, which aren't getting the light of day, which probably should um, get a bit more coverage. Um, and he'd be doing well to, like you said, keep his mouth shut for a little while and try to stay under the radar until, you know, maybe it's out of the forefront of people's minds. I mean, he was a big fan of Dan Snyder, right? So, uh, yeah, not a big Kinda fan of makes him. sense. Kind of makes sense yeah. with that a picture in question that was released. I'm sure people who follow the NFL know well about that for sure. Um, one other thing I want to ask you as well, because we're into December now. We're into the Christmas period. It is the first week of December. Technically, it's within the first seven days. I know it's the seventh today, but into the second week. But what's your opinion on Advent calendars? Um, I, I like them. Um, it takes a lot of self-control to get through an entire month without <laughs> just eating them all at once. But uh, yeah, I mean, any time that I have an excuse to eat chocolate, I have quite a sweet tooth. Uh, 
I'm going to take that opportunity. Me too. Me too. And I think a advent calendar is the ultimate test of willpower for sure. Especially because I have, I, no joke, I actually have one right beside me over here. Only seven only seven doors have been opened and they will remain open until tomorrow. Um, but I, it is it is the ultimate test of willpower to make sure to see if you can stick to it. Yeah, it brings a new meaning to the phrase when one door shuts, another door opens, you know. As long as chocolate's <laughs> behind that door, I'm in on it. I'm in on it. <laughs> brilliant brilliant and um, one last thing though before we get into uh, the news around the nfl today i should mention that this show is actually brought to you in partnership with locker locker is a new sports app that centralizes premium sports content and puts the power in the hands of fans to personalize their world of sport including a wide range of premium nfl sources that can be tailored to your fan experience download the app for free in the irish or uk ios and play store today also a little bit of news if you have not noticed it if you listen i should say to our podcast on spotify you would have known something different about last week's podcast because now we have uploaded the video onto spotify as well as uh, as well as the audio that is right joe rogan is not the only big podcaster that has video on spotify now we have video on spotify now so that is something for you if you want to just watch our lovely faces while you listen to us that's absolutely okay to do but if you just want to listen that's absolutely fine under center podcast wherever you get your podcast that's where you will find us especially on spotify like it says you could watch the uh, podcast back while you are on the go, if you wanted to, rather than just listen to see what our facial expressions are like, why we're ba- why we are bashing the table while our mute is on, because we don't want to make uh, strange sound effects in the middle of the podcast and scare scare your ears while you are listening back to us. But Rain, let's have a look at some of the news stories. Um, and actually, to be fair, this first piece that we're going to speak about tonight is not actually. A news story, it's more of an opinion that I want to get from yourself because uh, I just want to look very quickly back at last week, um, week 13, of course, and the Cincinnati Bengals, of course, beating the Kansas City Chiefs for the third time in a row, 27 to 24. In fact, actually, the same scoreline as the AFC Championship game last week, too. But the Bengals seem to have the Chiefs' number. But I want to ask about Joe Burrow. Does his performance last week, and to be fair, this season in a, as a whole, secure his place in the conversation as one of the elite QBs in the league? I think 100% there is no question that this guy is at least top 10, maybe even pushing top 5 in the league in terms of his talent. He's, everybody saw what the Bengals organization was like for nearly two decades before he got there. They were a burning trash fire from start to finish. When he got there, they didn't do a whole lot else to upgrade that offense. I mean, we still see that that O-line is probably subpar. Um, they did add a few weapons outside. Jim Chase has been a revelation. But really, it falls on the back of the quarterback. And I think Joe Burrow has to be considered as one of the best in the league. In my opinion, he's probably surpassed uh, Justin Herbert this year in terms of his uh, overall talent. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that uh, the performances last year get basically dragging that Bengals team to the Super Bowl. 
this year and included where he's had injury issues. You know, the argument could have been made that he, you know, has his favorite receivers. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't really throw to anywhere else. But in the last few weeks, he's lost both Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon in that time. And in the last three weeks as well, he has thrown touchdowns to Samaji P. Ryan, Chris Evans, and Trenton Irwin. He will get the ball to wherever the person is in that route and whoever is free. I don't want to, you know, maybe put a bit too much pressure on him, but Tom Brady-esque? A little bit. Like, uh, uh, definitely in terms of his his mentality, right? He was raised by a coach. His father was a coach. So he has grown up with football pretty much in his veins and running through his life, his entire life. And the guy is unflappable. We see him in all sorts of situations during games and it never looks to be wearing on him. And that's a really similar trait to what we see in Tom Brady. I think he probably has a little bit more physical talent than Tom Brady. So if he can get the right pieces around him, the right coaches, uh, he could have a dynasty kind of career the same way that Tom Brady has. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, as long as he can get, obviously, the right coach and the right team around him in, in place that he can continue to excel in. And they are doing a great job in Cincinnati about getting him the right pieces. They got him the offensive line, offensive piece, offensive line, sorry, pieces in the offseason. That did take a couple of weeks to, str- to gel, but they look like they're gelled now. They're giving him the protection that he needs, and he's giving them the time to make those throws that he needs to. Like you mentioned, athletically, he is a bit better than Tom Brady where he can use his feet. Um, Obviously, he's not up to the levels of like a a Lamar or anything like that, but he is still um, quite capable of running with the ball if needed to as well. And I just think the way he has performed this year and the fact that he's – the way that he's – um, playing so well, he's he's throwing to whoever is open with the ball, and he trusts them. It just shows that he is a, an elite quarterback, and I think that you know when it comes to contract time, for sure he is going to be getting a quite big contract, um, maybe bigger than Mahomes. I'm just gonna say that there now. I think he's eligible next year, the end of next season, to get his contract, and I think it could be bigger than Mahomes. It, it is interesting, though, that you bring up the contract. I think he should probably take a leaf out of Tom Brady's book in this instance and maybe kind of go for the more team-friendly contract if he really wants to win those Super Bowls. Uh, he came so close last season. He's going to need to have the right pieces around him. And if you're pumping in kind of half of your cap space into one guy, you're obviously not going to have the pieces around you. The accolades will follow. You'll have enough money in the bank for you know to uh so as your grandkids won't need to ever think about money so why not take the team friendly deal in this case even if that means like a 200 million dollar contract as opposed to a 250 million dollar contract um i really would be considering taking a a leaf out of tom brady's book in that instance Uh, i would if the Bengals managed to go and win a Super Bowl this year, considering they went to the Super Bowl last year, I think it would consider it. If not, and if they say go one and done in the playoffs, let's say, let's say for example, I think he is within the right to go and try and get that big contract. Whereas Mahomes' contract as well is quite big. It was structured in a way to continue to be team friendly, so he can still make the big bucks and still, I think it's if it's a lot of paid up front, then it's not as big of a cap hit, so they can still get pieces around. 
if they do something similar like that. Um, I know like the big trend in them at the moment for quarterbacks is that guaranteed money. Um, so if a lot of it is paid up front, um, I think maybe that they can get away with the with the cap hits. Yeah, I'm slightly off topic, but I really do not understand why it's like a race to the top for all these quarterbacks trying to get all of this guaranteed money and as much as they can get. I mean, if you're talking $160 million, that will do you until you die and it will do your kids until they die and it will do their grandkids until they die. Why do you need $500 million? Why do you need to have that best in the NFL status? Your play should do the talking, not the money. Well, look, let's just see. Let's see you're in that point and they're throwing money at you. You're going to take it. Uh, I get like, like take it's, it's the friendly deal. Uh, well, look, if you have the Bengals, say, for example, you're in Joe Burrow's position, you're the Bengals. They're offering you, what, throw number 35, okay? Let's say that's team friendly, 35 a year. But then you have the Panthers. Need a quarterback. You're coming out on the market soon. All right, we'll give you 40, or we'll give you this, we'll give you that. You know, there's other teams that are going to say, Well, we'll give you more. So, when you have that money thrown to you, it's going to be very, very hard to say, Oh, no, I'll just take this 35 million here and I'll turn down your 45 million over here. Right. Okay. I, I get where you're coming from. But also, I'd like to be like, Look, I'll take 35 million, but with that 10 million that you have, go out and get me an elite left tackle, or go out and get me an elite left guard, or something along those lines. As opposed to just going, yeah, look, I'm I'm happy with just spending no money. Just give it all to Jamar Chase instead kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the pieces are in place. Um, and then I definitely would be happy to to take that deal. Also, look, in this, in this league, look, NFL also stands for not for long. So, True. you know, you have to make as much money as you can in the short period of time that you're there. So that you can, like you said, have enough money to look after your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids. Um, so that uh, so that all that work that you paid up for worked for is paying out, so that you can relax and have this like what thirty five year old retirement or something like that, and then go into mm. media now and again if you want to. Yeah, true, true. You know, but look that that is well that remains to be seen what happens with Joe Burrow um, guys as well make sure you are following us on Twitter um, at undercenterpod make sure you're doing it on Instagram as well at undercenterpod uh, YouTube if you want to subscribe to us there undercenterpodcast you can get comments in if you have any questions about tonight's show you can do that as well but we'll move on to our next topic and the Tennessee Titans because they've been in the news this week because uh, Titans GM John Robinson has been Fired. This comes after the Titans' 35 to 10 loss to the Eagles. Sorry, excuse me. In which former Titans player AJ Brown scored two touchdowns. The move comes at an odd time in the middle of the season. But uh, what do you make of the move now by the Titans to get rid of their GM? It seems like a strange one to happen right now, this minute, right? Because between now and the end of the season, there's not very many personnel changes to be made. Um, there's not very many really jobs for the GM to do other than keep things on track. And unless things have fallen severely off the track, which I don't think they really have for the Titans, uh, I don't see the reason in, in getting rid of him at all, particularly not based on his performance, you know? I mean, it's... Um, 
yeah, it's, sorry it's... about that. Um, it is a strange one there with with Robinson. Well, not really a strange when you sort of look at say even the draft picks that have been have been um, chosen in the last few years. So even say the last draft, you trade away AJ Brown because he wants a new contract. You bring in Traylon Burks. AJ Brown roasts you then, and he's been one of the best wide receivers in the league. In a and he signs a deal with the Eagles to which let's be honest wasn't that bad either you could have actually done that signed that deal um but they um they chose not to previous years first round pick Caleb Farley is never fit and it was kind of well known to everyone in the lead up to the draft that he had back issues um and he can't keep him on the field Isaiah Wilson a first round draft pick plays three snaps for the team and then decides he doesn't like football anymore I wouldn't necessarily put that on Robinson himself you know you don't know that a player is just suddenly going to hate football and decide not to play anymore. You, unless he's given clear signs, and obviously uh, he he wasn't because they were happy to 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 trade him. But going back to the AJ Brown move, it seemed as though that he was the one to dis- made the decision to move on from AJ Brown and not give him that contract. And um, it was against the wishes of Mike Brabel, and you know he it was well known that Vrabel was not in favor of this move. And, you know, that could have been the beginning of the end when you have a head coach and a GM relationship fractured like that. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Uh, there, there have been some questionable questionable moves on his part. But my point is, why make the move now at this point in the season? I think it kind of portrays your franchise in a little bit of a a negative light it looks like the team is now in disarray there is that big fracture there and that fracture may have been there but i mean is the new gm really going to make a difference when he comes in um yeah it's probably going to be an interim guy till the end of the season anyway to see if they can woo away one of the one of the more you know senior guys in one of the other front offices and they can't do that until the end of the season anyway so it's it's more the timing that i have an issue with than actually getting rid of them like after the season is over yeah sling your hook you're gone but right now leading into december strange decision for me yeah well um the um interim gm until the end of the season is going to be the director person a player personnel which is a uh, ryan uh, ryan cowden but I do agree that the timing seems a little odd. My guess is we're not getting the full story at the moment and something has happened that mm. has caused him to have to make that move and get rid of him now. Um, I know it's a little convenient, of obviously, with the A.J. Brown roasting for two touchdowns and over 100 yards, and then the week after that game, he gets fired. But they had seen A.J. Brown perform all season, so it wasn't anything different. So there could possibly be something going on that we are not fully uh, aware of that will come out in due course. And look, it's going to have, they're obviously going to have to go to, well, I believe they have going to have to go to, to, to Mike Rabel and, and ask for his opinion on, on GMs because you need to have someone in place. That's going to have a strong relationship with the head coach. Normally when you get rid of a GM, you get rid of a head coach as well. And then you hire a GM to bring in a new head coach so that they know, have that relationship. So, um, it's going to be an interesting one there. They have overachieved in the last few years, the Titans. Um, we've sort of been confused. Like last season, they, they were the number one seed, and we didn't understand how, um, especially with the roster that they have. And, you know, that like that, team building is one of the big jobs of, an, of a GM. And, you know, despite them, you know, making the playoffs multiple times, 
you you always tend to look at that roster and you're thinking they got the first seed. Mm. Mm. It's yeah. I mean, they, they've been riding on the back of Derrick Henry for a long, long time now, and I think you know once he goes away, is that roster actually any good? Would they be able to move the ball uh, effectively downfield? And I don't think they would, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> obviously. Deontay Foreman was there last season. He did an outstanding job for them uh, while Henry was down, but they don't have that guy who can come in and do the same job that Derrick Henry can now. And I think that's probably down to the GM. If they're not, if they if they can't rely on the running back, they need a quarterback there who can at least move the ball downfield. And Tannehill really isn't that guy. He needs to be playing off that play action. He needs to have that solid run game to even be remotely effective. And we saw that during his tenure at Miami. Yeah. Um, well, look, he ha- and nothing against Tannehill. I think he's played quite well in a, like I said, in a limited... Oh, he's been very um, effective, very effective. Limited Titans offense. Like, they, they brought in... It wasn't just Traylon Burks now. It's actually coming back into my head, but... They spent so much money on getting Robert Woods in to replace AJ Brown as well. And we haven't seen Robert Woods much at all this year. He hasn't been a factor at all. I actually, I, without having the stats in front of me, I don't think he even has a touchdown this season. I forgot he was on the roster. That's how that's how bad he's been. Yeah. Yeah. So um look, and if that's the decision that obviously it, that's not just uh, John Robinson's decision. Obviously, he would have went to. You would think he would have went to Mike Rabel and said, "Look, listen, Robert Woods is available. Let's get let's get him in and see what we can do." And obviously, he must have got the A okay from Rabel on that. Let's uh, let's move on to some quarterback news and concerning a former Carolina Panther quarterback. Uh, that of course is Baker Mayfield because. Um, we mentioned earlier in the show he was waived earlier this week by the Carolina Panthers after failing to impress since his uh, trade from the Browns in the offseason. Um, I'm sure he's delighted that's going to say is a fifth-round pick and not a fourth-round pick now that the, the Browns are going to get. He was picked up by the Rams in a stranger move than someone pick up, picking up an injured player in my fantasy football league. You know, um I want to ask, this Rams offense has been awful this year. Um, at times with Matt Stafford in it, obviously in more recent weeks without Matt Stafford, with John Wolford and Bryce Perkins. What makes Sean McVay and the Rams think that putting Baker Mayfield in this offense is going to improve things? Yeah, it, it's it's a very questionable one for me. I mean, Wolford in the few games that we have seen has performed better than Baker Mayfield has in any of the six games that he started this season. Um, And this guy was never a a starting quarterback, nor was he ever of that caliber. Um, So why not roll with Wolford to the end of the season? And for Baker, I feel like this is a bad situation for him as well. He probably could have done with hitting free agency, so he could at least have a choice in his teams. But being pulled off the waiver wire by the Rams, it really doesn't fit for me because we see that Baker can be effective when there is a strong running game there. He's nice and protected. We saw it with the Browns that year that he was very, very good, led the Browns on a playoff run. Um, People are very quick to forget that from when he had his uh, his shoulder injury last season. Uh, So, yeah, I think the the fit for him is really, really bad. This is not going to be an opportunity for him to reignite his career. If anything, he's in a worse situation 
in LA than he was in Carolina. And yeah, I, I can't see this going well for Baker at all. And that's a shame because he is, he may grate on people with his personality, but he seems like a genuinely good guy. We saw him be a very, very good teammate in his time at Carolina. And he does have a personality that kind of fits in the NFL, if you know what I mean. He, he is, he is a, a character that is nice to have around. And I think with the way things are projecting at the moment with his time in LA, I think this is probably going to be the last NFL team we'll ever see him rostered on. Maybe starting, maybe for, he might he he might be a backup um, at certain teams. Or look, if it doesn't go well, the XFL starts in February, so he could he could go there for sure. Um, it's yeah, I do. I find it such a strange move. Um, now I saw Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football this uh, yesterday. Was it this morning? Talk about the move, and he mentioned about um, Jordan his uh, draft process. And that he was on a flight, just happened to be on the same flight as Sean McVay. It was like a three-hour flight, and supposedly they were talking to each other for the whole thing. And Sean McVay says, that dude is unreal. And unfortunately, he won't drop to us to fall for us, but I'd love to get him. I don't. I still don't get it, though. Um, I still don't get that, what he could do. And it's not as if they're bringing him in so they can tank and get a high draft pick, because their draft pick goes to the Lions this year. So, their first round, at least, anyway. Um so I don't, I just, I, I'm very confused by the move. Now, the theory out there as well at the moment, and I'll bring it back to you on this to get your point of view, is they picked him up so that the 49ers wouldn't get him. Obviously, the 49ers have issues with um, Jimmy G going down at least until the playoffs too. Would you pay any attention to that theory? I mean, it would be a very ballsy kind of big brain sort of move to do that i don't because like so san francisco are in a a decent position at the moment i know they're playing with mr irrelevant there as their starting quarterback in brock purdy but he performed pretty well at the weekend he seemed to do a serviceable job and they have a lot of weapons around him that he can get the job done so i don't know if they were really honestly truly looking at baker mayfield uh, they probably did have a waiver claim put in on him just to be on the safe side. Um, but, I mean, yeah, for the Rams, it is actually quite a cheap deal. Uh, I think they – so 10 million of Baker Mayfield's contract is still being paid by the Browns. Um, yeah, it's one and a half until the rest of the season. One and a half until the rest of the season, and that's after Baker himself has eaten uh, some of that salary. So – yeah, it's it's a it's a cheap move for them. Um but at the same time, you know, to bring him in just so as he doesn't go to your opposition. I mean, we've seen him play and we saw him play with a very limited time in Carolina. He he didn't perform well. So why would you be worried about him going to your opposition, if you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not as if they're fighting each other for a playoff position either. Um but hey, look, when it comes to like your rivals, if there's any way you can stop them from improving, look, you do it. You know, if if the Seahawks were three and eight and they got a chance to get Baker to stop the Rams or the 49ers from getting any better, look, I would encourage them to do it too. So um I I The question look, still remains though, were they getting better with Baker? I don't think they would be. No, I don't think so. I don't think Baker is 
so much better than, you know, John Wolford. Um, and when you look at who he's going to throw to, you know, Alan Robinson out for the season, Cooper Cup out for the season, you know, Cam Akers is your main running back, it looks like at the moment, even though his relationship suddenly is okay with the team because he was looking for a way out. And even Sean McVay said they're having personal differences and, and now he's obviously back in the side scoring two touchdowns at the weekend and being the main running back so much so that they waived their other running back, Daryl Henderson. Um, you know, it's a strange what's going on in there. And I still point back to what I said a couple of weeks ago, which you actually on the show, I have huge doubts about whether or not Sean McVay is going to be head coach of that team when it comes to September of 2023. Uh, I think that he is looking at, maybe this is the last throw of the dice. I don't know, but the Rams look like they could be in a bit of trouble next year. Yeah, and if this really was a McVay decision to bring in Baker, it kind of throws a little bit of question on was the success down to McVay or was McVay's success down to the success of the LA Rams? I, I yeah, it like this season has really cast a shadow on his entire career, I believe. Shadow, possibly. I am. I'm not. I'm not talking about he's... like. Oh, is he actually a bad coach? But I'm saying. Oh no, we, is he we know the he's not elite yeah. coach that everybody thought he was moving into. It? Like everybody wants mm. a coach who has had a cup of tea with Sean McVay as their head coach these days. Uh, they won't yeah. even look elsewhere unless they come off the Shanahan tree. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I know it's it, it's a strange one with with McVay. Um, Look, it's the relationship that him and GM Lesnead have had. They've obviously decided that, look, listen, we don't care about the draft so much. We care about getting the the blue chip players in. They've done it. Like, they sent, how many was it? Was it two second round draft picks they sent to the Broncos or something like that, wasn't it? For Von Miller. They had him for six months and then he couldn't get him back. You know? Um, Matt Stafford, they sent two firsts uh, and Jared Goff. And I think it was two seconds as well. Um. You know, they have in the past not cared about these draft picks. Two first for Jalen Ramsey. That was another one I should mention too. Um, that, you know, yes, these players are really good players, but, you know, when they are not in form like they are this season and the fact that you weren't able to get quality draft picks into the building to help supplement it when the players aren't playing well, this is the result that you're getting. You're getting poor... Um, Poor performances from players who probably would not be there if they had the draft, the better draft picks that they should have. Right, it's it's not a sustainable model that they've been running. It was great for the first few years, but did it lead them to enough success? They've had one Super Bowl in the McVay era, uh, obviously a couple more appearances, but they haven't won them. And now they're looking at a lot of holes on their roster where there wasn't before, simply because all of that money has been eaten up by these blue chip players where they could have been getting cheap contracts from rookies or guys on rookie deals anyway. Yeah. Um, While we're actually speaking about it, let's have a quick chat about the Thursday night football and have a quick preview because it is the Rams at home 
at SoFi Stadium entertaining the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders have won three on the bounce. And now Devontae Adams especially has been taking over that offense in a time where he's really needed to with the uh, with the absences of the likes of Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Of course, Josh Jacobs now is one of the most uh, valuable running backs in the league, which makes the Raiders' decision not to pick up his fifth-year option more stranger and stranger. But your thoughts ahead of this game tomorrow night? Yeah, just before I move on to that, it was so bizarre that people were talking about Josh Jacobs being cut at the start of the year in favour of their backup. Insanity. But um, yeah, look, my thoughts are this Yeah, unfortunately, game... I think I was one of them that said that too. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, not that he'd be cut, but I thought it was, uh, what was it, Zamir White was one of their draft picks, yeah. and I thought that he would be running back one by the middle of the season, and well, look. Right. How wrong am I? Yeah. <laughs> I thought Baker Mayfield was going to be good, so uh, we're, we're on the <laughs> same page. Um, yeah, no, look, this this is coming at a really good time for the Raiders. Uh, after winning three on the bounce, there's only one team in the – well, there's a few teams in the NFL that you want to go up against, and the Rams are one of them. They're playing really, really poor football, and they're really, really porous on defense. So that's going to give uh, the likes of Carr and Adams – and Jacobs an opportunity to really pump their numbers in this one. And I don't see any opportunity whatsoever for the Rams winning this game. No, this is going to be tough. I, I don't fancy Baker to start either. There's rumors going around that he might. I don't think so. I think they'll still run with John Wolford. Aaron Donald has been confirmed as out as well. He's not going to be playing in this game with his ankle sprain. Um, Jalen Ramsey up against Devontae Adams is going to be a very tasty affair. And like we mentioned, though, uh, Jane Ramsey, probably not in the best of form this season. Um, so it's going to be good. Bobby Wagner trying to marshal that linebacking and probably defensive line uh, part of the defense, trying to stop Josh Jacobs is going to be fun too. Um, after Especially after the emotions of the game on Sunday, playing against the his former team, the Seahawks. But like you, I think, especially with the likes of Max Crosby going up against that depleted offensive line, I think he might have himself a day tomorrow against the, the Raiders, and I think I'm going to go as well for a Raiders win. Not a high-scoring game, but still a Raiders win. Yeah, um, just on the Baker Mayfield thing, I checked the uh, depth chart uh, just on the way home, and Baker Mayfield's list is third on the depth chart. So, yeah, I mean, it would be insane for him to come in three days after he's signed for the team and play, start a game. No way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are totally right. Uh, rest him and then play him in, I think the next one is the Chargers game, I think. I think it's the Chargers. Let me just double. I'm going to quickly check that. I know they are playing the Chargers soon, but I can't remember who or when they are playing the Chargers. I have it here. I have it here. Sorry, it's the Packers the next week, away at the Packers. And then, oh, look, our Christmas Day treat of football is going to be Baker Mayfield against Russell Wilson because he played the Broncos. So that's a Christmas Excellent. tree. That, yeah, Christmas that's miracle. <laughs> like, that's a win-win for Seahawks fans. Either the Broncos win, and that means the Rams lose, or the Rams win, and that means the Broncos lose, which helps our draft pick. So, hey, win-win. It's great. Yep. <laughs> um, happy Christmas, Seahawks fans. Happy Christmas, indeed. 
Um, let's move on. And um, we have a bit more time, so we can talk about a few more stories. Um, let's move on to yeah. Let's go over to Buffalo and talk about the Buffalo Bills. Um, they got back on track by disposing of the Patriots very easily in last week's Thursday Night Football. But they were hit by the news that uh, Von Miller had a surgery to a, repair a torn ACL and is done for the year. Interestingly enough, Von, uh, Miller was seen as that final piece for the Bills to and he was uh, sorry I should say he was the final piece for the Bills that was needed to get them over the line and get them to and possibly win the Super Bowl now with Miller out for the rest of the season are you looking any differently at the Bills a little bit to be honest um I'm going to suggest that that pass rush is going to be really really negatively affected with the loss of Miller and I know that's not really the uh, the most breathtaking hot take anybody's ever had in the world but what Miller did for the team even though stats might not be breathtaking this season and um, he took a lot of heat after off a lot of other guys on that uh, D-line who may not have been elite elite but they were definitely able to get the job done so now that Von Miller who's got this big star name is in he's drawn double teams and he's allowing guys all across that D-line to make plays now that Von Miller is gone they do not have to double team anybody on the outside so they're going to really suffer in that respect now I think that kind of back seven are good enough to deal with most of the oppositions that they'll come up against but it might be a struggle in the playoffs when every single play counts the likes of the um the Bengals and the Chiefs being on that side of the draw it's going to be a tough one for them to get through after losing a player of this caliber Sorry, my mic was muted and I was on the tirade there for a second. I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it didn't even come up with the little mute symbol. So I was like, are my headphones no. gone? Did I do something? No. <laughs> I was on a roll there and, you know, but that's I, I, it. I saw um, you looked like you were giving it socks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, but yeah, just very quickly and I'll go back to, to what I was saying. Yeah. The, the numbers haven't been there on paper for, for Vaughn, but like you mentioned, I fully agree with you that he is like the Aaron Donald type where it takes two, possibly three offensive linemen there to stop him, which gives the other defensive linemen one-on-one battles. So they beat their one-on-one battles. That gives them the pressure to quarterback, which is what they needed. Um, Like you mentioned, now you feel better with the one-on-ones and you have the extra lineman to, to cover things up although ed oliver has been playing quite well in the middle of that defensive line for for the bills but he's not obviously at that von miller level um so it's it's it is tough for the bills you know i still wonder though on the other side of the ball about josh allen we haven't heard any more about this elbow injury is it fully healed is he still struggling with it um it's only going to get colder as we get further into december you know, when we get into playoff football, especially, sorry, excuse me, up there at Orchard Park. So it'll be interesting to see what happens um, there on that side of things. But I still think I fancied them before this for the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I still, I'm still going to stick with that. 
Um, you know, the NFC side of things, obviously, you have the Eagles. Um, although they had a stumble the last few weeks, they played very well the weekend against the Titans. You know, the 49ers defense is incredible, but now with the question marks of quarterback, is that enough to get, to, to get them there? Obviously, we're, uh, we're hopefully going to see a rematch with, with Patrick Mahomes there this year now as well, and we'll see what happens there. So I still fancy the, I still fancy the Bills, I think, um, just, to, just to keep going with that for sure. Um, but look, it's a tough injury. It just means that these other defenders are going to have to step up. Like, um, like I mentioned, Ed Oliver, um, I think it was it Greg Rousseau and AJ Espinessa as well is going to have to. They're going to have to step up, and um, hopefully, they might have learned something this year from Vaughn, which will help them in their game. And look, we might, we'll see, we'll see. But let's move over to let's see. We have a bit of time. Yeah, yeah so we do have this, a bit of time. Have... Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question before we move on, just real quick? You absolutely can. Yes, go ahead. Okay, so do you think this is career over for Von Miller? No. This injury? No, you don't. No. no. I think it's it's crazy to think that, you know, this is not just Vaughn, this is in general when it comes to this sort of injuries with ACLs. We think it used to be a career ender. Now with ACL injuries is, yeah, six months and you're fine. We mentioned OBJ a while ago. He's had two ACLs. He still has come back and played well. At you know Maybe not the same production as he had before the ACL injuries, but we've seen players come back and play, just, play almost just as well. And he, he may not be elite anymore, but he's still going to be very, very good. Yeah, you see, just my issue with it is is that he, he's he's bigger than these like wide receiver guys who are getting the ACL injuries who are coming back mm-hmm. after six months. Okay, so that puts a lot more strain on his body as a whole. He's also not a young guy, right? OBJ obviously is not a young dude either, but Von Miller is older than he is, and at this age, at severe injuries such as this. I'd question, I don't know what his contract looks like. Uh, does he have a multi-year with the Bills? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, he signed a but huge deal. It was, like, it was like five years, 150 million, I think it was. Let me just double okay, check. That's it. just I think it's insanity. Am I, am I wrong about what age Von Miller is? Like, why would you be paying a guy that age for five years? <laughs> um, let me have a look. He signed a six-year, 120 million deal. Now... I think the last two years are those, you know, the 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 um, void. void years, the void years, you know, the word of the the word of the day sort of thing. Now, when it comes to NFL contracts, yeah, the last two years are void years, so it's not exactly. Um, if it's six years, one hundred and twenty million, it's you know twenty. You're looking at twenty million a year. I don't think it's exactly that, but yeah, he did sign a massive deal. Yeah, you see, like he he's thirty three years old now. He's gonna be. 34 coming off a an ACL. I mean, the Bills will keep him around just for him to be there, probably. Um, but, I mean, yeah, he's probably lucky in that respect. If he was hitting free agency, I would not be taking a chance on a 34-year-old who's just recovered from an ACL surgery. No way. Yeah, but I just think with the advances that we've gotten in the medical side of things that over these last 10, 15 years, when it comes to knee injuries, I think that he is able to still come back at, even at the age of 34, you know, he is bigger, but he's not a, 
you know, interior lineman big. He's not a offensive lineman big. He is still quite a, although being stocky, he's still quite trim ish for the position mm. if you know what i mean yeah. now he does rely on his get off speed and he does rely on obviously his his he has he has his uh, spin move as well will he be able to do that as well as he did up coming off the knee injury that is a definitely a question to ask and we'll obviously have to wait and see what happens there with that because that's something may is it might be something that i'll have to change with on mm-hmm. 100 agree yeah Okay, um, let's um, let's have a chat because we actually haven't had a chat about this in a while. I don't know why. Maybe when you've talked about it on the show, I haven't been around. I don't know, but I haven't got a chance to talk about it. Um, and I don't feel guilty at all talking about this, even though I'm wearing my Seahawks hat. Um, who's to blame, Russ or Hackett? Because on Sunday, the Broncos lost again to the Baltimore Ravens and I sent out a tweet off the show's account when Lamar Jackson went down in that game saying if Tyler Huntley and the Ravens beat you in this game Broncos fans do you leave Hackett at the airport and go home without him but looking into it a bit more I don't put the blame at Hackett's feet myself personally I think that the blame has to go to Russ because we've seen him change. Hackett is no longer a play caller. He's given it to Clint Kubiak. The same things are happening on the offense. There is injuries, but it doesn't matter if there's injuries, but if Russ doesn't throw a football, they can't run the ball. Well, they run the ball okay, but they can't. The it's. I think actually, that to be fair, not running the ball, that's actually wrong. They actually run the ball better than they actually throw the ball. Their defense is fantastic. You know, um, I don't know if you've seen the the stats um, about, you know, previous years in the Broncos. Um, Obviously, Teddy was the quarterback last season. Drew Locke was the quarterback the season before. If they replicated their stats from those two seasons and put it into this year, I think they were saying like the Broncos would be like eight and four or seven and five or something like that. But on your opinion, who is to blame for the mess that's going on in Denver at the moment? For me, it's the GM, uh, the guy who decided to have a first-year head coach getting involved with such a big personality as Russell Wilson. And that was never going to end well in my head. As soon as I saw that news break that they were going to, A, have a first-year head coach, and B, bring in Russell Wilson, I thought, this is not going to work. That's not a match made in heaven. Nowhere near. Now, has Russ shown us enough to say oh okay it's not him to blame absolutely not he has stunk he has been really really bad but has Hackett been any better no he refused to give up the play calling for a long long time and even now that he has does he have the right guy in place um and are they kind of still trying to you know uh, replicate the style that Hackett had been running through the season because it's very difficult to just throw out a playbook mid-season in fact it's impossible you have to run the same schemes that you had been running previously and it yeah it just doesn't make sense to me like if you're going to bring in a guy of russell wilson's caliber you should have a guy at the helm who is a able to supersedes the personality right so he needs to be the leader in the locker room as opposed to russ being the guy that everybody's looking to and b have the 
experience in winning so as he can lead Russ to that point with that new team. So, yeah, I'm blaming the GM all the way on this one. Okay. It's an interesting one. How I would counter with that with, with the with the head coach is Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator in Green Bay. He knew how to call plays. He knew how to draw up plays. Um, I, so I don't put so much blame on him for get, not giving up play calling duties at the time um, or why it took so long. I'm actually kind of a bit surprised that he actually gave up play calling duties in general. Um, if he was the de- if he was like a defensive coach, then I would understand. Um, obviously, they brought Hackett in because they thought they were going to get Aaron Rodgers and he wanted to get his mate in. So when that didn't happen, then, yes, they were stuck. Um, so they did obviously made the trade for Russ. Um, Russ, like you ask Seattle fans, you could tell there was a decline with Russ, especially at the end of last season, the second half of last season, probably even the first half to do. Um, every, everyone talks about like obviously post finger injury with, with Russ and obviously he rushed back and he wasn't good, but he, he was struggling before the injury as well. Um, but it's not talked about a lot. Um, I think as well that there, there there's so much surprise around this with, with Russ too. And I think a big thing to do deal a, a big issue with that, I should say. Sorry, my my um my speech my tongue is all twisted now this evening. But Seattle, Pacific Northwest, up there in the corner, they're left to their own devices for the most time. They're not like a Broncos, they're not like a New York team, they're not like an LA team where you know they get a lot of media attention from national media. So everyone just saw, oh, Russ is there. Oh, he throws a lot of touchdowns. The Seahawks always have a winning record, they always make the playoffs. So Russ is obviously a fantastic quarterback. The fact then that he left, he moved to Denver and he struggled in Denver with national coverage. Now everyone's talking about the issues. I'll bring you back to do you remember the let Russ cook era? Everyone wanted to let Russ cook, throw the ball more, blah, blah, blah. Pete Carroll stopped that after the game against the Bills where he had, I think, two th- two interceptions and like two fumbles in that game or something like that. He shut it down, went back to his conservative play, which Russ obviously didn't like, and that was the beginning of the end. Something that's not spoken about is about... Uh, about that in terms of this season with Gino is the Seahawks are fifth in the league for early down passing. They are throwing the ball more now than they did when Russ was actually there. So P has never had a problem with quarterbacks throwing the ball. P had a problem with not having the right quarterback to throw the ball. Now he feels like he does with Gino and he's throwing the ball a lot. That's an interesting. That's something to to look at when we're trying to evaluate the stuff with Russ. I think that Russ is just on the decline. He's gotten his contract, and great for him. Fantastic. Always happy to see a player make his bag. But he has screwed over the Broncos, whether intentionally or unintentionally. But he screwed over the Broncos for the next five, seven years because of this contract. They can't get out of it unless they want to eat a lot of cap, dead cap, which will actually cripple the team. And look, I can't see this getting better. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting that you brought up the stats between the the Seahawks pre and post the move. Um, 
and it was something that I kind of noticed throughout Russell Wilson's career uh, was that he he's never really been excellent at diagnosing defenses, right? He's really relied on his physical attributes so he can throw a deep ball very well and he always had the right guys on the outside. He had the speedsters like Lockett throughout his entire career who he could always rely on getting open down the field. I'm not sure he was ever fully able to diagnose a defense, uh, read the middle of the field like an elite quarterback should be able to do. And when the pressure came along, he would always peel out, use his legs. Um, And since he's been getting that bit older, he's lost a step in that regard. So he no longer has that elite breakout ability in his back pocket to just... uh, you know, that, that's that's what everybody talked about at the start of Russell Wilson's career was how good he was with his legs, how long he could extend the play for. And he just hasn't been able to do that with the Broncos. Um, on the flip side of that, Geno Smith has always been a decent reader of the defense. Now, I, I don't think he's been doing an exceptional job of it this season, Um but he's been doing better than what, what Russ has been doing. Absolutely, 100%. So I think you're right. I think it has been a case of Pete Carroll has just kind of masked over the um, the flaws in Russell Wilson's game, absolutely played to his strengths, of which he has many. I'm not saying this guy doesn't have – he's just a terrible quarterback. He has the ability to throw the deep ball. Um, he's good with his legs, all that sort of thing. But you need to – play to his strengths and cover up his weaknesses. And the Broncos have not gotten used to doing that just yet. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned about the, the the fact that he used to break out of the pocket. The fact now that he's lost a good bit of speed and the inability to break out the pocket is quick, I think is probably a big factor in that as well, is why he's probably not playing to the level that he used to play with in, in Seattle. Um, it will be interesting to see because I, I don't have... Uh, much faith in whoever the Broncos bring in um, to be the person to turn it around. Um, I spoke to friends about this, actually. It, whoever they bring in, if it is, if Hackett does go, um, which it looks like he will, whoever they do bring in, I can see next season Russ starting off well, because he's done that before with the team in the last few years. He started off well, say weeks one through six, and then after week six, you fall off a hill. Or as uh, your brother kindly likes to say, fall off a cliff. Um, And I think that's, we'll get back to the usual now with Russ. And um, yeah, I just, I I think the the Broncos are in a lot of trouble. And look, saying this with my Seahawks hat on, I'm, I I rather them than us (laughs) at the moment, um, for sure with that. Um, But actually, because we're not going to do a full preview looking into, into week 14, but since our two teams are playing each other, the Panthers are traveling to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Let's have a let's have a quick five minute chat about that. Are you looking forward to the game? I just see I've seen there on Twitter there about ten minutes ago that um, Devonta Foreman actually did not train today with a foot injury. Um, Ken Walker is trending towards not playing as well in that game. They signed Wayne Gallman to their practice squad for some running back help because they were left with pretty much no one against the Rams. But, you know, what What do you think uh, heading into this game on Sunday? I have a quiet level of confidence just based on how well the Panthers' defense has been playing 
so far, particularly over this last few se- last few weeks since Steve Wilkes took over, they've been playing out of their skins. Now they had that one game against the Bengals that really didn't go well, but they were missing a key part in that. That was Derek Brown. He played played like three snaps. He wasn't feeling well, but he has been really that kind of linchpin in the run game. He's been able to shut it down altogether, and he's going to be playing at the weekend. So with Kenneth Walker being probably more than likely out, that run game is going to be shut down, and we know that Geno Smith likes to play a lot off the play action. His game really opens up when the run game gets going. So I have faith in the defense of the Panthers stifling that uh, Seahawks offense, but it's just a case of whether or not that offense of the Panthers can get going. And if Devontae Foreman doesn't play, I really have severe doubts that this is going to even uh, hit 20 points scored in the game between the two teams. Yeah. It's interesting, though, especially you talk about the, the Seattle run game, the struggles they've had the last few weeks. Seattle's obviously run defense has struggled as well. I think they give up about 3.8 yards a carry or something like that. You know what the next worst team is after them? Having a clue. The Panthers. Really? They're that's, that's... Up, I think about, their defense has given up four, about four yards a carry, I think, at the moment on average. Okay, Which I do, I did it, find very interesting. I did find very interesting. It, it um, doesn't feel like that, though, does it? Like they came up against the yeah. the Ravens and absolutely stuffed them. They they couldn't get the ground game going at all, and they were one of the best running teams in the league. Maybe it's down to the kind of the big games at the start of the season. You know, we saw uh, Chubb go for two hundred yards uh, when, uh, like I said, in that Bengals game when. Uh, Derek Brown was out. Uh, Joe Mixon just ran all over us. So it might be something to do with that. But um, it could yeah, have been early yeah, season because I think me. the 49ers ran all over you as well in that game too. So they did. It could indeed, be the yeah. stuff like the, the the sins of the early games are you know hurting the progress that's been made by the team in this most recent one. But I, I'm interested to see the the matchup between JC Horn and whoever he's going to be facing on the day whether it is DK or Tyler Lockett. Because um, J.C. Horn has been one of the most underrated, I think, cornerbacks in the league this year. Um, he's been fantastic. On the other side of things, though, C.J. Henderson has not been <laughs> too good at all. I think he's given up, a, he gives up a passer rating of over 100 when, he's, when someone's targeting him. So that would be interesting if that happens. On the other side of things, like you mentioned, the run game of the Panthers has been very strong. Foreman plays, I'd be worried because obviously the Seahawks have not been good against the run this year. Improved a little bit against the Rams, especially in the second half. The first half, the Rams sort of ran all over them a bit. The second half, they seem to get things right. So we'll see. Although the although the Carolina Panthers, they have this weird thing when they, not weird thing, but a thing that frightens me when they, when they do run plays is they have a extra O-lineman on the um, playing tight end and they have an extra O-lineman playing fullback. So you have literally five O-linemen run blocking, um, which spells nothing but danger when it comes to someone like Cody Barton trying to, you know, break a block and to stop a run. So that would be interesting to see. That would be a huge mashup. And of course, DJ Moore going up against Tyreek Woolen is going to be fun. Not many people can match DJ Moore for pace, but Tyreek Woolen is one of those people. 
Mm-hmm. 100%. And going back to what you said about those extra linemen, they never ran that with Rule. It's been a, a Steve Wilkes thing. And man, oh man, Cade Mays lining up at fullback is just beautiful. The guy is like 350 pounds. He's in a monster. I, I just love seeing it. And to have a guy like Devontae Foreman, who was a real downhill runner in behind, I love that style of football, man. I, I just, it, it suits the Panthers down to the ground. Yeah. Um, and that. Um, funnily enough, the Raiders used a fullback. I think Jacob Johnson was his name. Uh, he was immense against the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago, which aided in Josh Jacobs getting his 303 scrimmage yards against them. So if the uh, if the Seahawks want to win this game, they're going to want to focus on selling out to stop the run and just hope that their uh, man, ma- man-to-man coverage um, forcing Sam Darnold to throw the ball will be enough for them to, to win this game. But it should be a, a good game nonetheless. Of course, I think it's is it nine twenty five or nine oh five on Sunday, um, Irish time. I think it's not. I think it's nine twenty five. Um, and thankfully, it's not one of the games on Sky Sports as well, so I can watch it on the Game Pass. So everybody wins. Sounds great. <laughs> well, look, listen, that's where we're going to end this edition of this show. Before we go, make sure you are following us on Twitter at under center pod. It's uh, spelled down there underneath. Center is C E N T. Or E, not E or okay. Uh, same with sorry, Instagram. If you want to follow us on YouTube, under center podcast, you'll search for it, you'll find us there. Subscribe, you'll get all of our shows and videos. Same on the podcast side of things, under center podcast, follow us there. That is where you'll be able to listen to us on the go. If you didn't get a chance to watch the full show this evening, we will have it up in segments as well. If you want to listen to just one part of the show and not the full one. Rain, as always, sir, thank you so much. Yeah, and thank you for listening to my many rants. (laughs) I love when you rant. It means I don't have to rant, so I don't sound like (laughs) a crazy one for once. I'm absolutely delighted by that. Um, We'll be back next week again. Um, We will have uh, two shows for you next week, a regular one, and we have a special one in store, um, which we will announce on our social media. Um, So make sure you stick close to that. But until next time, stay safe. We'll see you soon.